Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 136. And if you wanted to listen to this episode, as well as previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, at least for now. If you <laughs> if you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating and or review. Because as I threatened before, you never know when we'll end it because we don't get enough ratings and reviews. So we've got a lot to talk about this week. A little bit shorthanded, so I'm not used to doing this, but uh, Chucks. Hello, Chucks. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that kind of ruins your flow, doesn't it? It's, it, uh... it? It did when Sam was out on dad leave, and uh, it yeah. did just uh, just a second ago. Yeah, because we're what a hundred and yeah, you said a hundred and God, I should probably be listening. Hundred thirty-six uh, <laughs> episodes, and uh, yeah, you got the same flow for the hundred and thirty-six episodes, and then it kind of kind of breaks. But uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's nice to have some variety, and uh, you know, we're hopefully going to bring a little more variety to our play than uh, Juventus does in its <laughs> games. Well, that's not difficult there these days. Go. Yeah, indeed. Well, we've got no Sam, as you probably already figured out. No Sergio. They're both doing uh, American football-related things, although one is very different than the other. So we've called in our old buddy Hunter. Hello, Hunter. Good evening, gentlemen. How does it go? Oh, it goes, it goes, it goes. And we're coming to you after Juventus's win over Fiorentina, although if you want to really call it a, a win other than three points, you can go ahead and do that. But uh, Hunter, since you haven't been on for a while, You'll be first for the takeaways. What is your takeaway from the week that was, my friend? Oh, my gosh. Do we have to take things away from it? Can't we just leave it in the past? (laughs) Unfortunately. I keep waiting for Juventus to, like, beat the teams that it should beat consistently. And then, you know, in other words, I keep waiting for Juventus to not always play to whatever exact level its opponent is. You know, if it's playing a, a Monza or, or a lower league team, or if it's playing PSG or somebody who, you know, we didn't do super well against results wise, but we looked really good against in the fall, but it just seems like we never get over that hump right after Juventus has its best away win in the season, pretty not great performance against Fiorentina. So I don't know. My my takeaway is, is sort of a negative, which isn't great. But my takeaway is that the consistency is is not there. And I don't think that's a – I'm not Einstein over here. I'm just a normal guy drinking a Modelo, recording a podcast at the halftime of the Super Bowl on a team that plays soccer in Italy. So I'm definitely not, you know, the sharpest guy out there. Um, but that that's what I got for this time. All right, Chucks. I, I I have to figure since you've actually got your camera on, unlike Mister Mister Sharpless over here, that you're not drinking a Modelo. But uh, what is your takeaway from the week that was? No, just regular uh, alcohol-free Earl Grey for me. So <laughs> there you um, go. that's uh, there you which go. actually, yeah, funny enough, I one of the ads was just uh, on Ant Man, and he was having a zero percent Heineken uh, beer. Right. So, uh, which I am probably going to watch the Ant Man movie uh, next week, actually, when it comes out. So shout out to Ant Man. Quantum Mania. Shout out Ant-Man, that's right. <laughs> no, uh, yes, my takeaway uh, is actually sort of your takeaway, uh, Danny, um, in your post on Friday, in which you posed uh, the poll on, you know, 
what to do with uh, Chiesa and Di Maria, play them together, switch formations, stick to three by two, you know, what have you. And well, Allegri clearly reads the blog. This is evidence. Clearly. This is evidence that he reads it because yeah, that was almost immediately that, an- that question was answered. And well, there you go. Di Maria and Chiesa were both played at the same time. And they, uh, from what I could gather a, Three, four, three. I, I guess I can wager to say it. Really, I'm still kind of trying to look at the heat maps on who scored and kind of trying to see if it really was a three-four-three. Three. But it, it actually, funny enough, it was a uh, you know, as we'll remember the the uh, famous quote. It was a three-four, and we'll see. Yes, <laughs> formation, uh, basically. So uh, yeah, I mean, could this be the solution to kind of uh, integrating Gaze and Di Maria into the team at the same time uh, and actually kind of playing their true positions which both of them are wingers i mean you know okay they can kind of do a job centrally but i mean both of them really are wingers so um yeah is this the solution i don't know uh i think my only kind of concern or uh thought there is you know what do you do about just that one man you were in central midfield are you comfortable with having that less midfield central midfield coverage possibly against a fiorentina or uh I don't know, a Bologna or what have you, but are you going to be comfortable with that against an Inter in a Coppa Italia semifinal? I'm not sure, but um, yeah, let's see. I mean, that was kind of, uh, yeah, my takeaway there and something I'll be uh, watching for, as I'm sure, you know, everybody else will be uh, watching closely to see what we do with that. I guess I'll jump into the the takeaway fray with something that we can kind of transition into the main part of, of the episode is that you look at, the way that both of the goals that didn't count were chalked off. And I know we talked about it a little bit between uh, the blog staff in our, in our Slack channel afterwards, but at this point, and we've, we've said it before on the podcast as well, at this point offsides and VAR, and I keep wanting to call it like semi-automatic, but I know it's semi-automated, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff, but don't call it something automatic. <laughs> but I mean, there's absolutely no context to it. Like, to, you know, you look at the Vlahovic goal that was taken away. And if his chin is a couple inches offside, it's like, okay, well, that's the difference between the goal being scored and not. Or you look at Fiorentina's goal and it was because somebody's heel was a couple inches offside rather than, say, Manuel Locatelli getting fouled on the box while he's trying to clear the ball with an overhead kick. And it's just, it's so black and white now where there's so many moving parts that basically no context is left in the game and in terms of that kind of call. And it's not necessarily black and white anymore. There's so much, there's so much going on and so much that can go into it. And yeah, I, I don't know if either of those goals should have been called offside by my eyes. Not that my eyes are the greatest judge of them all, but I don't know. I mean, Dusan Vlavic looked every bit pissed off that I did that his goal got called off because he wasn't offside. I mean, he was by a couple of inches because that's what the VAR replay showed. But was he actually offside? Did it actually help him score the goal? So with that, all that being said, obviously a an eventful end to a win over Fiorentina, another close, a close one against Fiorentina again. Uh, didn't necessarily need a one quadrado goal to decide things this time, but uh, Juventus got a uh, Adrian Rabio goal on a beautiful Angel Di Maria cross, the aforementioned Angel Di Maria, and then the 
usual Max Allegri tactics seem to take over. And this is something that we've obviously beaten into the ground this season, especially. It's just, I don't know. It It's tough to watch this team again defend a lead and just basically hang on for dear life for 45 minutes in the second half. And it, to make things worse, and they pointed this out a couple of times on the, on the CBS broadcast, Fiorentina has created chances almost to the same extent that they did last year. It's their finishing that has been awful. And I think they came, I believe they came in with 23 goals in 21 games. So obviously goal scoring has been a problem. Why are you sitting back and defending? Why? Just get a second goal. And obviously they, I mean, they got it, but I don't know that uh, my biggest issue today on uh, besides VAR, and that's obviously a totally different topic is just how Max Allegri approached it. And again, that's a, a constant theme this season, isn't it? I think there's always like this and it's kind of an across sports thing. Like, do you play your game, right? Do you, do you play your strategy? This is the way we do it. Or I think of somebody like Bill Belichick in American football, where you have a different game plan every single week for your opponent, right? You play your, your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. And I think we've learned, you know, nothing, if not that Max Allegri plays a single way, right? This is what he does. That's the consistency. Maybe that's the answer to my, to my question. Like maybe Juventus are never under Allegri just going to consistently beat the teams that they should be beating. And, and then, you know, what, I don't know. It's like, doesn't seem like what you're just saying, right? Fiorentina have these certain patterns and things. It doesn't seem like there's a plan really always for this specific opponent. It's more, this is the way that we do it in some sort of insane loyalty to, to, to just that style, if we can call it that. And, you know, it's, it's funny because that goes back to, um, well, I mean, we haven't mentioned it yet, but of course the controversy at the end with Allegri and uh, you know, getting into a bit of a, I guess, an argument really with, uh, with a fan slash the fans in general, you know, the fans are whistling or booing the team really uh, towards the end. And, you know, Allegri didn't appreciate it and addressed it in the uh, press conference at the end, uh, you know, defending the likes of uh, the mighty DeShilio, mind you. <laughs> and, you know, ooh, I mean, who had a decent game? So to be fair. Yeah. And, and uh, one of my best friends, uh, he's a Milan fan. He was, he was talking to me about that. He was like, oh, yeah, fans are booing and stuff. And kind of going to what you were saying, Hunter, to me, it's just like, well, I mean, at this point, we know what we're going to get with Allegri. Like, we, we, I, I'm almost kind of like amused by fans booing the team now. It's like, well, it took you like eight months to start booing. <laughs> Six, yeah, like I, I had I had a few people go into the the blog Twitter account mentions today, and they're like, "God, Allegri's sucks. Why does he keep playing like this?" I'm like, "Guys, y'all just figuring this out? Yeah, <laughs> this isn't new." At this point, we know what it's going to be, so it's it's just a bit bizarre that like the fans are getting upset now. So that's I don't know. That was a little bit odd, but we're so used to it. Just that same, like you said, Hunter, that same dogmatic kind of commitment to one particular style of play against one of the, you know, lower slash lowest scoring uh, teams of the league, which uh, it's funny, Danny, that you said uh, with a chance creation uh, thing that is still basically the same chance creation, except, you know, one big difference. They don't have a certain striker. Yes, <laughs> the one big difference is the big Serbian guy wearing number nine at Juventus right now. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yes, I mean, I think the game was well managed in the first half, but 
I mean, towards the second half, again, you got to go for the second goal and against a team that doesn't score that much and generally doesn't create that many chances. I mean, and you're playing at home, you really got to go for the second goal. And I mean, this is even really the bigger thing for me is you're playing your three best attackers that you have on your team right now, you know, Indy Maria, Vlaovic and Gieza. And to still, you know, almost hold them on like the handbrake or on the, I don't know, a gentle break or something in these circumstances. Again, I understand the fans' frustrations. It is really inexcusable. But then again, I answer my own question in knowing that, well, it's a leggy. I mean, we know what we're going to get at this point. I mean, we ride it out to the end of the season. And then presumably at the end of the season, we go our separate ways. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It is really inexcusable to to have your three best world-class players all three of them you know absolutely world-class players to yeah to just hold them back so much playing at home against a very low scoring team it's yeah it's baffling really and but again i know it's going to happen it's yeah, yeah. And, and and i guess that's where the, kind of the new level of, fr- of frustration comes in is that you finally do the trident of Vlavic, Di maria and chiesa and yet it's like okay, we had 45 minutes of it. They created chances, but now it's like, it's the second half, 45 minutes to really just defend this lead. But Chiesa, Di Maria, and Vlavic, they're still on the field. So it's like, well, you're suddenly shifting the focus to defending that lead and setting up in a low block again, like you usually do almost every time you get a lead. And it's like, well, where is that same kind of pushing for extra goals that we just saw a few days earlier against Salernitana? We're obviously... You know, Vlavic was having a great game and they're creating chances and Kostic was creating chances and other guys were creating chances. I mean, it just, it's like, you just saw what Vlavic can do when he gets chances and you, you know, logic tells you that when you've got Chiesa and Di Maria in there together for an extended period of time, that that would only continue. But because Allegri just put that, almost pulled the emergency break at halftime and said, okay, we need this one, nothing lead more than anything in the world. Then in a way, it's almost offsetting the fact that you've got three of the best attacking players in the league on the same team. Yeah, it makes you wonder what's the point of really <laughs> than having all this attacking talent. I mean, you might as well just almost like save your money, save your 75 million plus uh, 40 something, I guess, Chiesa was. And well, he was free. Di Maria was free, but then 7 million or something a season contract. You know, it almost makes you say, well, save your money and just like, you know, if we're going to play the same way, regardless of world-class players or just not world-class players, I don't know, you might as well just not spend all that money. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's Again, we'll see in the summer, but I, I don't know. It's, yeah, what do you do? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's still such a discombobulated team, too. I, I think that we'll see if Allegri is, is here next year or whatever. I, I still think I'm not confident that switching managers suddenly makes us better. Like, I think that things could go worse. I think that, uh, as you know, obviously the, the point deduction is what it is. And, like, I think that we have to be considerate of the first 
couple results after that and and recognize that yeah there's a lot of context there but at the end of the day like allegory or not you know deduction or not results to whatever teams or not that we're still a team that today Deshilio started that's the thing that happened right we played a double pivot with Locatelli and Rabio that's a is that a viable double pivot we played a, a three-man back line with two fullbacks basically right <laughs> so like even though sure we do have these these three you know world-class absolutely attackers on the pitch up top I think it's easier said than done saying let's let's attack 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 when that's the those are the other uh, outfield players behind them it's not exactly uh the paragon of of midfield uh or or consistency or, or great fullbacks or whatever you know it and that's when I, for the rest of the season, I'm really just thinking more about the future and and trying to figure out, like, how do you sensibly move forward with this team, right? With with the the blows that still may be coming, with the blows that have already happened, and with these players. I don't know. I have not gotten super into the, to the wiretap, some of the quotes coming out of it, but I did see a couple that were pretty, pretty funny. Uh, there was the Cherubini quote who's, he said something about like, um, like if Juventus, uh, I, I think it, here's the quote, a quote, our, our worst player earns the same as uh, Atalanta's best. Zapata gets 1.8 million. If we bought a dog, we would give it 3.5 million. I, and that's, that's where we are. Like, right. Like in the, I just can't get over this fact, right. DeShilio was a starting player out there. Like this is still years. And it's not, it's not, I can't remember the last time when, it seems like Juventus have fielded an 11 players where it's like, okay, every dude out there is like a really solid player. Maybe not one of the best two or three in his position, but like this is a really solid 11. Every unit is is independently solid. And I can't remember how the last time that was true. And I can't track, you know, how we were supposed to get there soon. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm trying to kind of go back in the years. I'm like, well, it definitely it definitely wasn't last season. It definitely wasn't Pirlo's season because that squad was flawed. Sorry, no. Last year with Max in the first tour of uh, managing, maybe. I mean, it, it would definitely have to be one of those later Max Allegri 1.0 right. rosters. But even, even then, we were talking about those teams not necessarily being solid and or very good across the board. I mean, there's still kind of the the fullback questions. I mean, you know, Licksteiner was at the end of his run and, and yep. center back was, you know, that was kind of when the, the Chiellini injuries were really starting to kind of mount, you know, pile up on one on top of each other. And, and then, you know, we had, we had the great hope of Daniele Rugani and well, that kind of didn't happen. So yeah, I mean, it, it really would have to be Allegri's first tenure when one of those scenarios that you were just discussing would play out. I I think. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, injuries is is what it is, but like even even if everybody on this team is 100% healthy, who do how do you compose a, an 11, you know, like yeah. there's still some serious questions even if everybody is totally healthy on this one and you know, I I know it's like at the times some people and, and definitely subsequently were bashing the Ronaldo investment as hampering the ability, I don't think it was just another, you know, stroke of the same painting, right? Like that, that this had been happening, you know, 
this was just the way that this club was was going. It, it's not easy, you know, to do that. I mean, like, look at freaking. I think sometimes I the only solace I have as a Juventus fan right now is like looking at Chelsea. Like they've spent a zillion dollars <laughs> or more. I don't even know how many zeros giving players like twenty three year contracts just stealing whatever they're probably going to fire Potter if he doesn't win, you know, a couple of games here immediately. And they're still, they tied West Ham one-to-one. Like I could beat West Ham with my one-year-old baby as like my goalie. Like it's, it's freaking shout West Ham. Like shout out Monty. It just, you know, it, it, it guess it could be worse, but still it's, you know, it's not easy to build a good team like that. That is, it's, it's crazy. It doesn't, money doesn't fix it. You know, it's, it's not easy. So I don't envy the people whose job it is to go find affordable players, given the extreme financial duress that we're under to, to go do it. But that's what you got to do. Right. And that's where I wrote that piece the other day, like, you know, who are going to be the building blocks and somebody like Illing Jr. Who didn't make that list, but like, these are the, the, guys that may need to be really, really important, honestly, for this club in this, in the next few years. I think it's kind of, uh, kind of amusing, but then again, understandable that uh, we're about, I don't know, 20 something minutes into the game and we've really only or into the podcast rather, and we've really only spoken about the Fiorentina game for, I don't know, seven, 10, seven to 10 minutes or so. Cause there really wasn't, it was a not very memorable game. Yeah, I mean, at the crux of it, it was a very sloppy game. I mean, I think yeah. to, to cite the what the guys on the CBS broadcast were saying again, it looked very much like an early season kind of game from the first couple of weeks where, you know, you had a lot of guys who were in February, so guys aren't necessarily rusty, but you had a lot of misplaced passes. You had a lot of bad turnovers and kind of stuff where you feel like that early season chemistry is still kind of lacking for for teams. and. I mean, as as good as Juventus looked at times in the first half, on the whole, it was very sluggish. I mean, for both teams. And, you know, we we already mentioned kind of how much Fiorentina has struggled in terms of their attacking stuff, Sanzlovic, this season. So speaking of which, I, before Hunter has to cut out here, I wanted to get to a, a couple of, of Dusan things. I know we kind of mentioned, Chuck's mentioned it in his takeaway. I guess the first question for both of you is, how do you feel like Vlaovic has looked knowing that he had a really good game on Tuesday and then followed it up with a kind of classic, he's only got, you know, 15, 20 touches against Fiorentina kind of game. And then obviously kind of on top of that, now we've got this added element of Chiesa and Di Maria and Vlaovic all playing together at once for an extended period of time from the opening whistle. So I guess we can talk about Dusan on the whole and then maybe take it with the Trident as uh, as well. And I mean, do you do you feel like this this might be, knowing what we were saying about Allegri basically just saying this is the system and it doesn't matter who's playing and this is what we're going to do. Do you feel like he's going to do that with this Trident or does it kind of feel like it might be, you know, one game at a time, see how it goes. And it's, I feel like every time a player leaves Juventus, like the thing that they say is I just couldn't be me at Juventus or something to that effect. Right. Like, are you citing a, a, a fellow countryman of Chuck's? <laughs> I mean, Delict, uh, or a fellow countryman of me, right? And fellow yeah. guy from Texas, McKenney said almost the exact same thing in his first day at Leeds. And he's not even technically a, a Leeds player, and they're not looking so hot in the uh, in the relegation battle, by the way. 
but that's like a thing that you hear pretty consistently, right? So, I mean, given the financial situation and the point deduction, I, I have a terrible, I love Vlavish. I think that he's, what's really encouraging to me about him as a player is that he seems to be growing like that Solaritana game. He, his hold up play was fantastic. Like he was a lot more of a more well-rounded number nine, in addition to scoring the two goals, but like he, he beats players off the dribble. He's physical. He was great in hold up play. We've seen him struggle in the past and, you know, he's still a kid, so he still is going to struggle, but I, I think that he's growing and, and looking at the points of his game that could be better and making them better. But I like, I'm kind of afraid that, you know, between this situation of the club and this, this manager that, you know, I, that he becomes another victim of that individual frustration and kind of asks for the door, you know, goodness knows there's going to be like 900 English clubs, you know, and then two Spanish clubs uh, waiting uh, in the wings trying to, to sign him as soon as the the transfer market hits this summer. It's it's wild that not a more sincere effort was made over January, but yeah, we'll see. He's he's a heck of a player when he's on. I think that he's really young, and I think consistency is difficult. So I, I don't I'm not too worried about him at all. I think he's going to get there and, and be one of the world's best nines. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and, and obviously in the first game that he played after uh, after the World Cup break, so it was uh, you know that brief kind of cameo against Monza and that uh, that's a disastrous game against Monza. You know, he did still look a little rusty and did you know didn't quite look comfortable. But then again, you look at the context of that game, and I mean, it was a terrible game, of course. And this was his first appearance again from being out for, I mean, you know, months plus, I guess, two you, months. He had been so. out Juventus-wise since October. Right, right. And then, yeah, and then it was just so bizarre that he, which I guess I understand, but, you know, he was out for that long, but then, I mean, he, you know, kind of forced his way into the World Cup to play. And then, you know, that probably aggravated things, you know, despite that one uh, fantastic goal against uh, Switzerland and had a really, really good game uh, against, uh, yeah, against Switzerland uh, for Serbia. But yeah, no, so that first game against Monza, he didn't, wasn't looking quite comfortable, but it was definitely just a fitness thing. You know, he just needed some time to get match fit, needed a bit of a run out, and then, oh, there you go, against, against Salernitana, like Hunter said, just a fantastic, fantastic performance uh, there. And even today, you know, I thought, I mean, it was, it was slim pickings today, obviously, uh, for chances, but, I mean, the, I mean, one big chance he had, he basically scored, and then obviously... If only he didn't have such a uh, protruding chin of his, then uh, you know, <laughs> then he would have. Uh, yeah, man, come on, man, you're rich. Get plastic surgery or something. Get that chin down, man. Come on now. And that's any great striker, right? Is it like it? It almost doesn't matter how they play if they get that one chance and score the goal. It doesn't matter. Like you can be great and hold up, and you can do everything else on the pitch. And that's what I, you know, you want, especially as a manager of Allegri's ilk, who who is going to want a guy to come chip in when you know there's ten players right in front of the goalie. But at the end of the day, like if you bag that that goal, which whatever, I guess it was spot <laughs> off. But, you know, if, if you score that chance, like that's what you do, man. You know, you're you're a sniper, and then that's your job. So that he can, I think that's like encouraging on another level, right? Okay. You don't play a fantastic game. You, it's frustrating. You're not getting the action that, that you're wanting to, the 
chance creation isn't there. There's disconnect in the squad, but he put it in the back of the net. So that's that's cool to see. You know, you, you hope that he stays for next year. But man, we, we could be looking at a Millick Keen uh, situation week in, week out, which would be very different uh, than, than having Doosan up there. And just referring to, uh, as you're saying, Hunter, with the chance creation stuff, um, I remember in the Slack channel, um, in our Slack channel, uh, just about when Vlaovic was being signed and it was kind of becoming, like it wasn't officially official, but it was like pretty much clear that he was going to be uh, joining the team. I remember we were talking about just kind of like, you know, okay, is this really the type of player we want to spend all this money on? And like, are we really sure about this? And I remember I went back and forth kind of as well. But one thing I think Sam and I were talking about was just the, the kind of chance creation issue you talked about. And, you know, again, he was at Fiorentina where, like you said, Danny, it was a team that created very, very few chances. And yet he still scored, you know, I don't know, 30-something goals. Well, well, they, they created a decent, a, a good amount of chances. I mean, I think this season, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I feel like they were talking about on the, during the, the game today that they do have towards the top of the, at least in the top half of the chances created. It's just, you look at the players they have this season who are playing up top compared to Vlaovic. And I mean, he feasted on all that when he was with Fiorentina. I mean, he had what, one of the highest goal scoring totals in all of Europe for the 2021 calendar year i mean he was just he was just insane i mean it, it felt like he was scoring pretty much every game and you know maybe multiple goals on top of that yeah and, and then just that chance conversion that he was doing uh you know last yeah last season that he was doing really well for fiorentina but then you know he comes to like I, we were talking about that you know with uh with juve and we're just thinking like okay well is he gonna have as many chances uh to score with juve as he did with Fiorentina, or is it, is it going to be less? Is it going to be more? And, you know, now that I think of it really, and I look at it kind of with the benefit of hindsight, he probably is very well suited for a team like Juve because, well, we just don't create that many chances. Um, I mean, I guess the Salernitana game was a pleasant anomaly, but, you know, we don't really score that much anyway. And then we just, yeah, don't really score or uh, create that many chances just based on our style of play. But thankfully he is the type of player that, you know, doesn't need that many to score. So, um, yeah, I mean, to answer your overall question, no, I'm not uh, definitely not worried uh, because he just seems like someone that's used to, I guess, not having that many chances and, you know, making do with the little, the little he does get. Well, that's certainly been been the way since he got to Juventus, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the whole, what uh, what was your opinion of the uh, the big three up front and, and do we feel like this is something that uh, can hopefully – maybe change Juventus's attack for the better. If Allegri is willing to give it time to develop and and obviously allow these three very good attacking players to kind of meld into one solid unit rather than just, you know, some sub appearances here and there for all of them. I'm going to give such an annoying answer. Go for it. I just don't even know what the point is. <laughs> like, why? That's the spirit. Look. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. I'm like that's, that's why you're here, buddy. I've reached a level of cynicism and, and nihilism. Like, look, I don't think that we're gonna get any points back. Maybe some. I don't know. I like what route is there to we're not gonna win the Europa League. Like that's just not a thing that's gonna happen. You're, you're luck you're lucky Sergio isn't here this week, Hunter. 
I don't. Yeah. I would love to. I would. There was nothing more in the world that I that I would love than uh, to win the Europa League. I just don't see European football next year. I don't see. I know Di Maria is saying all the right things. I don't see this guy hanging around. I wouldn't come just to play in Syria. I would go hang out in Argentina, where everybody is obsessed with me. Uh-huh. I don't see. I don't know that I see Vlajevic staying. Like so. From a, a nihilist perspective, like I'm already thinking about next year, I want to see not Deshilio on the team. I want to see Sule playing more minutes. I want to see Illing Jr. playing more minutes. I want to see, I want to see the kids like who were a big part of turning this season around before it got metaphorically torpedoed. You know, like I guess I don't even have to say that. It's just when, when people say like literally torpedo, obviously it wasn't a torpedo. <laughs> So I just want to make sure that it was a metaphor, but I know that there are no torpedoes. No I appreciate torpedoes. that as a fellow writer. I appreciate it. So, so I don't know. I, I don't know. That's, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't even cross my mind like that it's something that we would try to hone into whatever a nice, uh, like, consistent thing because I don't see us winning anything and I don't see us having the same players next year or even the same manager so you know bottoms up i guess yes. <laughs> with zero percent alcohol brought to you by heineken <laughs> no we do not have no we do yet. not have a heineken yes. sponsorship yet not yet man not we yet should, but... if we could have one sponsor i think that i would just pick christian bale just as a oh, yes. as a person sponsoring us but oh yeah man and Modelo. Or Robert Pattinson, man. Yo, he killed it in the in the Batman. I was, I you know what I love? So I was sick the other day. I, well, I've been I've been, it's been a, a, a vicious few months, but I was I rewatched all the Batmans and I love the Christian Bale ones. I also really love the, the Pattinson one too. I like the kind of like noir hard boiled detective kind of spin that they gave it. And that that freaking uh, something in the way the Nirvana song that they use is like oh, a yes. refrain in that movie is just so good and yes. it's kind of like Gen yeah. X whiny Batman, but I still really really liked it and and that using Nirvana it was just so cool. I yes. love it. it was a great spin, yeah. good like evolution of the uh, of the thing. So yeah, that maybe just Batman instead of an individual actor. Could Hell be yeah, song. man. Yeah, yeah, man. That soundtrack was that. No, love that at the end when he you know was was at the very end and they got out that that stadium and stuff and when he was reading the diary entry that music yeah. man that was dope but anyway we're, we're, this week we're, what, what are we talking about anyway batman or uh who's running the show here come on Danny. Would, you, would you rather <laughs> talk about var again keep us under control here Danny. Hey, you're, no, you're, I, you're the moderator i'm like the joker of the podcast there, there will be no control <laughs> We, we don't have our agent of chaos, but we do have our Joker. So there you go. Oh, man. Um, no, no, but to, uh, to ask your question about uh, Di Maria and Chiesa, like I said, I was See, there you go. To... You're the one keeping things on the rails. Oh, I'm yeah, just you know, I'm yeah. listening. Oh, I try not to let you do all the work. You already do too much work. Yeah, that's right. You know, but no, I was, um, as I kind of talked about briefly at the beginning, I was trying to kind of figure out, you know, the where they were they were playing and. You know, the three, four, we'll figure it out kind of thing, or we'll see. And it really was a, I don't know, they both kind of played wherever the hell, like, they wanted. Because I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at Chiesa's heat map, and it's sort of central, sort of right, sort of a little bit inside left channel. 
And same for Di Maria. He's kind of centrally and kind of on the right for a little bit as well. And it, it's just, I don't know. They just kind of, again, for someone like Allegri who likes all this, you know, structure and this discipline, it was kind of like a, yeah, it really was a three, four. And you guys just kind of figure it out and do something up there. So, I mean, I'm a little bit concerned about just the general structure of yeah, them two playing or well, the three of them playing, I guess, in this formation, maybe it needs a 4-3-3. I don't really know, but um, it's a little bit of a confusing attacking setup. So I'm not, I, I need to see a little more to kind of understand what, what you know, what the idea is there and uh, yeah, what we're trying to do there. So um, inconclusive. I think that Kiesa and Vlajevic in a 4-3-3 is, is the right answer, right? Like, but we don't have don't have a right back. We don't really have a I don't know. Can Sandro play left back well anymore? No. Can no. Right. So the answer is no. Who would play right back? Danilo probably could do it, but then who's right. playing center back? Right. And who how do what midfield three? Maybe do you do you do at Rabio Locatelli Fajoli? That's kind of interesting, but I just don't know what back four you do it. Yeah. Yeah, we had talked about this. It's. Not, I don't think Kostic can quite pull off a, an actual left back, and I don't think Johnny Square is. He's like a little off his rocker to me. Um, so like, I don't trust him. I don't trust him at right back. So I, I don't know. But like, if they were all at the the like peak, not going and in, going insane, um, then I, you know, I would say like. Kiesa, Vlajevic, like Quadrado would be interesting, but Quadrado is just is kind of de- declining as well. But I don't know what back four you do to to support a viable four three three. And that kind of goes back to the point of you were making earlier in the fact that you know there's three really good attackers up front, and then it's kind of like, well, what about yeah. the <laughs> you know the midfield and then the defense? I mean. It's it's really just like throw a deck of cards against the wall and hope that you have a good hand. Sometimes it it feels like that because I mean, we're talking about Di Maria not being around. I mean, I think all three of us would be pretty surprised if Quadrado's around next season. Same with Alexandro, same with a couple other guys. I mean, it's just yeah, it's very much a roster in transition where we're to the point now where it's like, okay, you know, the point penalty is what it is. Who knows if there's another point penalty coming? So it's really like, when do you start trying to set things up, say, for for next season for certain players? And then if there's another point penalty, I mean, how do you just kind of, when did you switch into almost like survival mode? If there's another, what they're suggesting is is true with a point penalty that's 15 or points or more again. So I don't know. It's, it's just, it's tough because, you know, the, the, the Chiesa, Vlaovic, Di Maria, combination has so much potential to it there's a chance for so much fluidity up front but at the same time it's like if the rest of the team's just a complete disaster and a complete revolving door with certain players it's like what's what's the point in a way man i wish Illing jr was right-footed <laughs> would never have to play Kostic on the left on the left of the 352 and Illing jr on the right would be so sweet that would be fun yeah <laughs> it's tough to see like it like we we're saying earlier right it's hard to it's hard to in general even if you have a blank checkbook to a blank check to to just concoct a great cohesive 11 but if you're under extreme 
financial duress, psychological duress, like the, the kind of stress that this team is under, it's that much harder. Right. So that's like, as a, I just think that the reality is a lot harder than like Juventus fans probably realize. Like, I, I just feel like it, things are going to get worse before they're going to get better. We're going to have fewer fans before we have more. We're going to have fewer great players before we have really good ones. We could have a more discombobulated roster before we have a bombulated roster. You know what I mean? So it sounds so sad, and I I sound like I'm listening to Nirvana right now, and I was earlier, and I've been listening to Pixies <laughs> lately too, on kind of a 90s thing. So maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I'm thinking this way. But there's no way of knowing. But I do, I do think that things are going to get worse again. So that's why that's why they bring me here to the podcast. Yes, yes. Unlike the Batman, we will not call you vengeance. Then we will call you no. melancholy. Yes. There you go. I can do that. It's a bit too many syllables. In high school, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, should we uh, should we do a Twitter question to kind of wrap things up and uh, call it a day? Yes. Is is the Twitter question just like a random question on Twitter, or is it like Juventus related? It's unfortunately it, it's a Juventus question, Hunter. So. Hey, if it was a if it was one about the Batman, I would have answered it too. So that's right. That's Bring right. him in. Batman <laughs> wears black, and uh-huh. if we just spray paint a white stripe on him, uh-huh. right? Vengeance. <laughs> well, seeing as uh, Sergio Romero's favorite Europa League is coming up, we've got a question here from at old buddy Bachi Sabi. Realistic expectations for Nantes game on Friday or on Thursday, I should say. Oh my gosh. Does France, France has a league? <laughs> wow. Like they play. That, that's it. That's calling it a farmer's league without calling it a farmer's league. I remember it's... Mbappe was not too happy when <laughs> when someone called it a farmer's league. I forgot who. But he... Mbappe is not a bad player. He's all right. <laughs> He's all right. Man. Total full disclosure, no, literally zero about this team. They have a green and yellow crest, yep. and it's <laughs> annoying to me. It reminds me of, like, Surge, which wasn't even the same colors, that old soft drink. But for some reason, it does remind me of that. I thought being the Texas guy, you'd say, like, it reminds me of Baylor. Oh, gosh. I hate Baylor. <laughs> I guess Surge, I'm looking up the, the old Surge cans and they'd have some red on them, but then the like the background was were those colors. So my yep. brain is pretty pretty good, if I'm gonna be totally honest here. I don't know anything about this French team, but I know some things about the Juventus team. And I'm thinking that it's gonna be like a one one or a two one. Two one for Juventus or or a, a draw, and then we go lose one to zero in France, and they eat <laughs> Madeline cookies and throw croissants at our players as we go back. And Rabio just stays, and then <laughs> he finds a country villa with his his mom, and they just they just come up with a new deal that he signs at Man United, and he makes like ninety million euros a year. That's what I think. Well, I mean, it's hard for me to top that one. Yeah, so. you're you're shaking. <laughs> I know this is an audio medium, but you're shaking your head. It's like, how the hell do I finish? Follow that up. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was uh, <laughs> quite something. Yeah, predictions. Uh, I, I guess, like like you said, I, I also know very little about Nantes. 
but likewise, I do, you know, know more about Juventus and, and just generally know a thing or two about Juve. Uh, and the one recurring theme that we've been talking about the last few episodes is just this issue of Juve drops to the level of its opposition <laughs> very, very often. Well, with, particularly with just smaller teams. I mean, Nantes are, I think, uh, 12th or something in the league. Uh, yes. just, Thir- yeah, 13th. Ooh, they've they've, won, they've had a decent run the last few weeks, and that's why they're up to 13th. Because yeah, I remember they were at the beginning of January, they were not in 13th. Yeah, yes, correct. Yeah. So they've, you know, they have only lost one one of the last five games of their of their last five games. So, you know, they're in good form. Like I said, I mean, we have a tendency to drop to the level of our opposition. So I expect us to just play uninspiring football, but just about <laughs> get the job done. And probably indeed a one nil or so. That's probably what it'll what it will be. Yeah. I mean, my my big worry is basically a situation like what played out against Fiorentina. Obviously, this is a two-legged, yeah. two-legged thing where either they let Nolan hang around a whole lot and then they get like some random, random ass late late equalizer. And then the second leg is actually totally up for grabs, knowing that it's in France. So that's my big worry is that kind of the the classic Juventus European knockout round thing from the last what four or five years or so kind of rears its ugly head again. And then, like you said, Chucks, all of a sudden they're playing down to their competition and a team that Juventus should be beating, you know, by two, three, four goals on aggregate easily is suddenly going into that second leg with actually believing that they have a chance of advancing. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this is, this is basically if Juventus wants any chance of getting into the champions league next season, the Europa league is it. So this is in a way, this is kind of their, their best shot to have something good happen this season outside of winning a trophy or outside of winning the Copa, I should say. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really kind of averting disaster, I guess is a, is another way of putting it. So. Anything else, gentlemen, or, or should we uh, call it a day? Call it that. I can't. Um, I, I can't wait for the next Batman movie. That, that's, <laughs> that's right. If we win the Europa League. I will get a Rabio jersey and I will wear it for ten consecutive days without washing it. I can't wait until that happens because by then we'd probably know what's going on with Rabio, and just the look of somebody in the Juve store going, "Why is somebody?" Ordering a Rabio jersey when he's leaving is that would that would probably we'll be a, a good a good uh, a screenshot. Now, if we win the Europa League and the Coppa Italia, I will buy a Juve jersey, put the name Vengeance on it, and then dress <laughs> up as Batman for like I don't know ten days and wear it over the body armor. Yes, yes. And you have to you have to carry a boombox on your shoulder playing that Nirvana song. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. Heard it here first, Pete. Awesome. All righty. Well, on that note, thank you for the Twitter question, Bachi Sabi. We always appreciate it, my friend. So if you do want to send in Twitter questions, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. Follow us there as well as on Facebook and Instagram, where you can see our our good friend on there who always sends us a picture of him and his baby watching Juventus matches that we like to post. So follow us there as well as on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a nice rating or a review. 
So for Chucks, for Hunter, for our two uh, usual crew members who are out doing football things, Sam and Sergio, and for producer Couch, man, that is a long list of names when you got Hunter thrown in there. Uh, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>